Hello and welcome back to SpinalCast. I'm your host, David Stevens, and joining us today is Ian Ruder. Ian is the editor-in-chief of New Mobility, the longest-running, most trusted magazine and website for active wheelchair users, uh, and the membership publication of the United Spinal Association. Ian, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Awesome. So given your role at New Mobility, um, I think it's pretty clear that you have a wealth of knowledge around all sorts of different topics as they relate to spinal cord injury. Um, but in today's episode, I think what we'd really like to focus on is kind of airline travel um, and the difficulties people with paralysis face uh, when traveling via airplane. Um, and then also just kind of discussing changes that you think would make it easier for people living with paralysis. Um, if that all sounds good to you, we can just yeah. jump straight into questions. Sounds great, man. Looking forward to it. All right. Perfect. So uh, first and foremost, I think for our viewers, uh, would you be willing to kind of tell us about your injury and what your your SCI journey has been like? Sure. Uh, I've been injured for a little over 25 years. Uh, I have a C5 spinal cord injury that I sustained in a rollover accident when I was 17. Uh, just freak car rollover, one car. Were, were you driving? I was driving. Uh, didn't do. Don't think I did anything wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, pulled up to pass a guy and lost control of the car. Um, and everybody else in the car was able to, you know, get away pretty unscathed. Uh, no serious, serious injuries, and uh, I got paralyzed. So it was luck of the draw there. Uh, but uh, yeah, you know, uh, twenty-five years been gone to school, lived a full life, fun stuff, and been fortunate to be doing new mobility for the past uh, decade or so and been the editor for the last few years and uh, just get to meet a lot of cool people in the community and fun opportunities like this. So it's, uh, it's, it's always interesting. Awesome. So then kind of moving into the travel side of, of our questioning, uh, when was the first flight you took following the injury? So, so I was, like I said, I was paralyzed, uh, in the summer, like most people, and was in pretty bad shape. Uh, I had about a month where I was just kind of on the fringe and on, you know, uh, on a ventilator for about four or five months. Mm-hmm. And my rehab wasn't the most fruitful because I was pretty weak and not really ready to do it. So I came home after about four and a half months in and out of hospitals and doing my rehab, and was just like, I can't really do anything. Yeah, and I was fortunate to get to go to the Shriners Hospital in Northern California, uh, but I live in Oregon, and so the only way to get there was to fly, and uh, I could barely hold my head up. And, wow! Uh, they were willing to fly me down there and pay for everything, but I had to get there. So my first flight was on a small plane that didn't have a jetway, uh, so they had to carry me up the stairs uh, of this little tiny plane. And I remember these two guys carrying those stairs and be like, well, this is, you know, this is how it ends. Yeah. Uh, just kind of laughing. Look, my parents were just terrified. It's one of the few times I've seen my parents terrified. Uh, and got in the plane. I, I remember being on, once I got on the plane, I was relieved, but then I could barely hold my head up to get there. Yeah. And made it there, got there. And uh, that was the first of many more trips and probably, probably honestly the hardest trip I ever did. So. So when they were carrying you up, were you in a chair or did they take you out of the chair? I was, in, I was in everybody's favorite aisle chair, uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about more, but yeah. uh, one, of the, one of the great things about being a wheelchair user and flying is uh, you get to ride in an aisle chair. 
when you get from the jetway usually or from the waiting area to do to your seat and uh they're some of the more poorly designed and uncomfortable are the devices that might be out in the mobility world mm. and uh not the most stable and they strap you in with a bunch of seat belts and things but never feels very secure no i i, I can imagine i i've i've seen them firsthand i've never actually sat in one myself you're, but, you're not uh, missing much <laughs> so uh, in your in your experiences has there been any improvements uh traveling with a disability since you know that first trip that you took to now have you seen any sort of improvement uh i wish i could say yes uh, i'm trying to trying to pick my brain uh systematically though no i'd say not really mm-hmm. uh it's pretty much the same as it was 25 years ago uh maybe the aisle chairs are slightly better designed uh with a little bit more padding and a little bit more thought to given now they they work but there really haven't been many, many big changes since then. Um, you know, uh, you still have to use an aisle chair for the most part. Still, they still don't really take care of your equipment very well. Um, yeah. There aren't a lot of procedures in place. So, so I guess to, to that point, what, what are some of the most common problems people experience when, when traveling with paralysis? Well, I mean, it depends on your situation, obviously. As I'm sure you know, paralysis has come in all shapes and forms. And, right. You know, if you use a manual chair or a power chair, you know, it's a very different experience. Or if you can walk, you know, if you can ambulate some, you know, you're, you're, each level is different. But uh, the thing that's consistent throughout is uh, there aren't procedures and protocols in place on the airline side to respect or protect your equipment. Um, the Department of Transportation, I think, tracks... A few years ago, I started tracking the number of damaged devices uh, by airlines. And I think from 2019 to 2023, just a little over four years, they documented over 36,000 damaged, broken, or lost mobility devices. And that's just documented. And I can guarantee you there's a lot more than that that are not documented. Oh, my gosh. Uh, So that's a lot. Um, and having had my chair broken multiple times and known people who've had their chairs broken multiple times, I would guess the number is significantly higher than that. Well, and it's, those are expensive pieces of equipment, like incredibly expensive. So how does, how does that process work then as far as getting, like, are those insured? Do people typically have their wheelchairs insured? Yeah. I mean, it's airline's responsibility. If they break your chair, they're liable for that. Uh, and, um, they're supposed to replace that. Different airlines are different or do well uh, or do differently around that. Um, some are better than others, in my experience. But um, the problem is more that if you're as a wheel, any wheelchair user will tell you, you don't just fix or replace a wheelchair on the spot, right? It's not like yeah, you break a window, you put a new window in. When they damage, when they destroy your power wheelchair, that's going to take months, if not you know, a long time to fix. If you have diligent service and it's not their priority to do that. So, you know, you have tragic stories. Like a few years ago, um, there was a story in the news about a woman whose chair was damaged and the replacement that was provided as a temporary loaner was not custom made for her and led to a pressure sore, which ended up killing her. Oh my gosh. Um, you know, and, you know, that's not, a, I like to say it's an outlier, but I hear stories like that all the time of people suffering further injuries and, you know, setbacks because of these things. So, Right. It's uh it's it's a real problem. I think it's it's clear that um the the treatment of devices 
and, um, you know, kind of, I guess what I would call the preparedness of the airlines themselves is just not there. Um, but as far as the personnel are concerned, have you had good experiences? Are people working with the airline typically pleasant or are, are they also part of the problem? They're people, right? You know, it runs the gamut. Uh, yeah. You know, I've had delightful people who have made my trip much easier and been incredibly thoughtful. And I've had people who have no idea what they're doing. Uh, you know, the problem is that there's no, there's no consistency. There's no enforcement of regulations mm -hmm. to ensure that you're treated with respect every time. Uh, and that people are trained adequately to know a bare minimum of what they're supposed to be doing. Right. You know, just like you would for an able-bodied person. Right. Um, and yeah, it, it's, uh, I, there's, there are horror stories of, you know, people who are ill-informed or ill-trained, you know, yelling at wheelchair users or forcing them to crawl off planes and, um, and people like, oh, it's, that's a freak thing. It's not. It happens all the time. That's, yeah. I mean, that's an unbelievable. Um, it's a little bit disheartening as well. Um, so when you're boarding and, you know, deplaning, clearly we kind of talked about the aisle chair um, and, and things of that nature. Um, but do they typically take you out of your wheelchair for the entirety of the flight? Do you, do they just take you out to get the wheelchair on the plane? Kind of how does all that work? There's no current commercial airlines or any sort of airlines that allow you to fly in your wheelchair, manual or power. Mm. Uh, it's not allowed anywhere in the world. Um, and there's no accommodations for that. We can talk more about that later about the change that might be coming there. But uh, so regardless of your disability, you have to transfer into an airplane seat at some point, whether you use an aisle chair, there are some planes where you're able to, uh, a manual wheelchair user could get close enough uh, through the main door to be able to transfer themselves. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty rare, but I've heard of that. Um, but yeah, you have to, you have to sit in the airplane seat um, and your chair, some chairs are able to fit into um, spaces on the main compartment of the airplane, but the majority of chairs and all power chairs have to go in the cabin or the cargo below. Okay. And then you're basically just putting it up to like, hopefully they strap it down appropriately and don't let it go banging around down there. Or you're, yeah, I mean, that's you, hopefully they strap it down properly, but even more, hopefully they uh, actually just get it onto the plane without breaking it. You'd be shocked. I was just watching a video on TikTok of uh, someone putting a manual chair down one of those, you know, 60 degree ramps that they have from the top of the jetway down to the tarmac. Um, and just letting it go 40 miles per hour down that, oh my bouncing gosh. over the end rest and then hitting on the pavement. Oh my gosh. Uh, and yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe it's real if you didn't see it. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm like awestruck by, by some of these stories. It's just kind of in, in, insanity, uh, when you think about it. So what about someone, um, say that's on a ventilator? How does that work? It, you know, I know a lot of these chairs have ventilators kind of integrated. Do they then have to be traveling with a temporary ventilator that they get switched over to yep, you have to be able to the ventilators have come a long way i i never traveled when i had the ventilator thankfully but i do know people who've traveled with them and it's doable um, you're able to take that on the plane um oftentimes you'll swap it off of your chair um they're much smaller than they used to be so they're portable uh, but you know it's cumbersome you're gonna have to have 
at least someone with you who's very competent with that to manage it. Um, and again, you know, I'm not to keep coming back to these horror stories, but it was just a story that we used two months ago about a wheelchair user in a power chair um, who was being deboarded by someone who didn't know what they were doing. Uh, and, you know, it's all alleged, but uh, didn't, he was in the aisle chair, strapped in the aisle chair and started struggling to breathe uh, because the, it sounds like because the uh, ventilator was getting pinched mm. and suffered a brain injury from that and is now permanently going to have to live with a brain injury, you know, and it was a huge lawsuit that was settled uh, right before it went to trial. So um, just oh. pretty, uh, it's a pretty overwhelming situation. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, in the defense of the, the airline, I mean, they're not trained, you know, as nurses or anything, but at the same time, I feel like there's just this level of, of, care that needs to come with um just dealing with anybody who's uh you know in in a wheelchair or or you know not quite able-bodied like you are right and and i don't want to oversimplify that case like you have i'm making it sound simple but yeah it was a much more complicated thing situation of what happened and negligence involved but no you can't expect airline people to be able to you know know the ins and outs of a ventilator and exactly what they're supposed to do but you should be able to expect someone deporting you to be able to listen, take direction and effect effectively right. and safely follow that direction. Yeah. Uh, and at least try, yeah, again, we don't know the whole specifics of the situation, but um, you, you'd hope they'd be a little bit better about that. So, you know, what, what are some of the, the tricks of the trade then or preparations that you have to take when you are traveling? Like what are, what are some of your, your things that you make sure you hit? I mean, preparation is really the key word. Um, like so much with spinal cord injury or, you know, disability, it, it comes down to being prepared and having a plan and a backup plan for every aspect. Um, you know, personally, over the years of flying, you know, I honed a routine that I just would lock in and follow. Mm-hmm. Um, I had, I printed out an instruction sheet um, in big text that I would tape onto my chair and when I get to the airport, I get there very early to make sure I talk to the people at the gate. I make sure I, I would demand that they bring up somebody from the tarmac crew to talk to me about, you know, so they understand how to use my chair. I show them the instructions. Yeah. Um, take off all the breakable parts that I can to prevent them getting broken. Um, and, you know, I know people have gone beyond that and, you know, actually had walkie talkies they would give to the people to, in case they had questions about trying to get it on the plane or what to do, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and then just having, I travel with an attendant usually. So, um, you know, having the attendant who's well-trained in those protocols and, uh, you know, can assist with that makes it a lot easier. Um, and then just being, you know, being sure of yourself and being able to direct what you need uh, very explicitly, knowing that you're probably going to have people who don't know how to do what you want them to do. Um, so you have to walk them through that. Right. Um, and being a strong advocate. So kind of branching off of that, are there ways, um, you know, I, I know you said you kind of travel with an assistant of, of course, but are there other, are there ways that able-bodied people who may be also on the plane can be helpful? Should they just stay out of the way or, you know, what's kind of the, the best, approach as someone yeah. like myself? I would say probably just stay out of the way. Um, okay. I think most of the time, you know, people who are traveling 
know what they're doing and getting asked, offering assistance might complicate the situation even more mm-hmm. uh, despite the best intentions. Um, I think a lot of people have a routine they want to go through and, you know, they, if they want assistance, they'll, we're, I think most people I know would ask for it uh, as opposed to looking for someone to just volunteer it. Right. That makes sense. I think that makes perfect sense. And I, at least for myself, I think that would be my natural inclination is like, I just don't want to muddy the waters any further. But, um, you know, if someone were to ask for help, I obviously would be happy to. Um, So you kind of alluded to it earlier, but there's progress being made. Where where are we at with that? Like, what is what is kind of coming down the road now um, for for improvement? Yeah. So like I said, you know, 25 years, not a lot of things have changed. Right. But I would say there are reasons for optimism now, and there seems to be more progress in the last six to eight months, maybe, than there has been in the past 25 years. Wow. Um, the Delta unveiled a new prototype um, for a seating system that would allow a wheelchair user to roll on the plane and lock down on the plane, which is something that we've all known they've been working, airlines have been working on, but haven't actually seen in the flesh until recently. Right. Um, and that, that was really exciting. Um, you know, implementation on something like that, it's going to take a long time. Right. But uh, that was cool to see, even if it's just, a, you know, down the line. Uh, it kind of amazes me that that hasn't already been a thing. You know, like I, I, I'm just in the back of my mind, I'm thinking about all these military planes where they literally have Humvees in the back of an airplane strapped down with ropes and they can't get a wheelchair onto a, a passenger oh, plane. They can do whatever they want, but there's no reason for them to do it because it's not required by law. So there's no, there's no, no one's going to come and say, you have to do this. Right. And as long as they can make more money fitting more people like sardines into planes, they're going to keep doing that. So until it's, until there's some sort of regulation that's enforced and the government says you have to do this for equal rights, which is what needs to happen, it's not going to happen. Uh, now, on that front, I think the current administration has shown more interest and willingness in doing stuff to make that a reality than any, any previous administration. Uh, they've had a couple of uh, conference, press conferences recently and they have some, they're working on some new rules and regulations that would go towards that. Um, and there's a, an act that Senator uh, Tammy Duckworth from Illinois has proposed that would amend the Air Carrier Access Act, uh, which regulates all this stuff, um, to do some really positive things and hopefully make this more of a reality. So there are positive signs. Um, you know, is it going to change everything for you and me in the next four or five years? Probably not, but right. uh, at least it would set things in motion that were down the line. Yeah, no, I mean, and I think you know, the work that you're doing and, and the publications that you guys are putting out in, in, you know, just bringing more attention to the subject, I think is going to be key in continuing to drive that effort. Um, so I think that's great. Um, what about, uh, just some general tips for other people who might be, um, you know, newly, newly paralyzed or recently injured now in a wheelchair, you know, what, what kind of, uh, tricks of the trade would you offer? Yeah, I mean, like I said before, I think just being really prepared and intentional about your preparation so that you know what's going to happen the day of as much as possible. Um, and 
thinking that through, taking every step you can to protect your equipment, protect yourself, um, reaching out to airlines ahead of time. You can never do it too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, pers- a lot of times, depending on the airline you fly, there are things like I know a lot of wheelchair users enjoy flying Southwest because they have bulkhead seating that you can get. For, they'll, they'll give you priority for, which gives you extra space on the plane, mm. uh, which is really nice for transferring and can make can make it a lot more comfortable mm-hmm. without extra extra cost or anything. Um, and yeah, just you know, knowing that it's not going to probably be easy your first time. You haven't done it, but it is totally doable and. Uh, you know, with the right preparation and the right, uh, right thinking, you can do whatever you want to do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that kind of completes the questions I had on the airline focused stuff. Um, but I did want to just touch on, um, your role at new mobility and you know, what it, what it is that you guys over there provide for the SCI community and sure. kind of give you the floor to, to talk about all the cool stuff that you're doing. Yeah. I like how you summed it up, uh, beginning, you know, we're, we're the longest running, most read publication for active wheelchair users. Uh, that's pretty succinct, but I think it's true. Uh, we were founded in 1989 um, to be a voice for, you know, a community that at that point didn't really have a lot of, you know, print voices or media voices. Mm-hmm. And we've always been, you know, kind of led and spoken for the community. Um, you know, that our editors being you know, wheelchair users and almost all of our contributors and people coming from the community. So it's, it's firsthand experience, but not just, I would like to say it's better than what you find in, uh, in blogs or just randomly out there because, you know, it's vetted. We do a lot of extra reporting. We have copy editors and fact checking and we go put a lot of extra work and make sure that what you're seeing is useful, helpful information, whether it's about a new product or, you know, um, new health procedure or just fun stuff, you know, like we're not trying to be boring. Right. We don't want to be like that, you know, that publication you get in the mail that you're just like, oh, from your doctor or whatever. Yeah. We have profiles of interesting people doing things, you know, how to's about, you know, how to live your life more fully. Totally. Uh, and yeah, it's a, it's a fun, colorful publication. If you don't have a subscription, I would encourage you to check it out. Our website's great. Uh, we really updated the last few years with a lot more content and web first content. Um, you know, but there's still a print magazine if you like to get print. Um, and it's a membership publication for United Spinal Association. So if you sign up to be a member of United Spinal, you get a year for free in print, uh, which is a great deal. Uh, you can see if you like it. And if not, you don't have to get it. If you do, hopefully you, you do and you want to keep getting it. Yeah. So is it a monthly monthly kind of uh, arrival on those magazines? Bi-monthly in print. And then the website, we are constantly putting new stuff up. Awesome. Well, I think that really covers all the questions I had for today. Um, you know, I just want to quick do a shout out to everybody who's watching or listening at home. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, please make sure you hit that subscribe button if you liked what you heard today. Um, and, you know, the bell icon will let you know when new episodes drop. If you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, you could always throw us a follow. Um, but other than that, you know, we just really wanted to thank you again, Ian, for, for joining us today and all the hard work that you and New Mobility does for the SCI community as a whole. Um, it's really it's really been a pleasure. So thanks again. Yeah, of course, man. Thanks so much. And you can find us at uh, newmobility.com. Perfect. We'll make sure that gets thrown down in the description. Sounds great. All right. Thanks, Ian. Talk to you. Yeah, thank you.